Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 319. Inspiring journeys of today's most successful entrepreneurs, seven days a week. Calling all website owners, Squarespace recently added e-commerce to their platform. Setting up shop and selling your product has never been so easy. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and enter the promo code IGNITE. Our other sponsor is 99designs, the place to go for your logo, web, or merchandise designs for your brands. Visit 99designs.com slash fire to get $99 of services for free. That's 99designs.com slash fire. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Brian Solis. Brian, are you prepared to ignite? I wouldn't be on this show if I weren't ready. <laughs> I love it. Brian is principal at Altimeter Group, a research firm focused on disruptive technology. He is also globally recognized as one of the most prominent thought leaders and published authors in new media. His book, What's the Future of Business?, WTF, explores the landscape of connected consumerism and how business and customer relationships unfold and flourish in the four distinct moments of truth. Given Fire Nation just a little overview, Brian, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you and then give us an overview of your business. I am one of those entrepreneurs who didn't necessarily have that vision of what I wanted to be when I grew up. But I sort of stumbled and found my way, a, a renaissance man of sorts, to, f- to indulge myself in things I loved. Uh, so where, from marketing to journalism uh, to technology uh, in terms of running startups. But found my, uh, my way with this sort of balance of all of the above, if you can believe it or not. And it was this idea that the way things are, the way things are done, the way that we measure success, to me... I had found myself just sort of following rules and guidelines and training and things that I learned in in school and it didn't necessarily didn't necessarily work for me living in Silicon Valley especially running startups uh so I had adopted along the way this this motto this mantra constraint forces creativity finding creative solutions for business problems. And that sort of was the underpinning of, of what really got me to what I'm doing today. And that is, uh, by day, I'm a, a digital analyst. I study disruptive technology and its impact on business. And on nights and weekends, as I say, I'm an aspiring digital anthropologist. So I study technology's impact on society, on individuals, like you and me, and try to bring the two worlds together. And that is what I publish in books, sort of my findings and insights and experiences through digital anthropology and digital analytics. Well, I'm excited to dive more into what's the future of business, WTF, and also find out what these four distinct moments of truth are. But before we get into all that, Brian, Entrepreneur on Fire, we start off with a success quote to get that motivational ball rolling, to get Fire Nation pumped up for this great content that we're going to be hearing today. So take it away. The one that I want to share with you today is the one that inspired me to write this book. And it's by Maya Angelou. And it is, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. 
Wow. So another thing we love doing, taking it down to the ground level, Brian, share with us how you actually applied this at a certain point in your life. How have you actually used this mantra? This mantra has actually fueled this whole series of, of research initiatives. And it also was the foundation for the new book because I'm a, a big believer that there had to be something more than business process, governance, um, scale, optimization, efficiencies, all the, all the business terms out there. Right. You know, and then uh, looking at leadership today, you realize that leadership organizations or, or executives in general were always talking, and, and entrepreneurs even, you know, talking to shareholders, investors, uh, customers as users, uh, and always sort of missing this human element of things. And I decided to take and apply this quote as a way of trying to find or feel, it's probably a better word, empathy in who I was trying to help, the problems I was trying to overcome. And I found that as I felt more empathy, the inspiration, the insights, the passion, the drive were always not only human, but just that much deeper uh, and charged uh, because it was then an emotional uh, angle. And that is sort of inspired all of my work. In fact, I, uh, I, I applied my Angela's quote to this whole idea that uh, the, the, the Undercover Boss series, that television show, right. uh, the, uh, the thing about every one of those episodes is that they all have the same ending. But the thing that gets you to uh, really enjoy the show is that you go through this journey of watching someone who didn't necessarily feel empathy to only get the gift of empathy by the end of the show simply by walking in the shoes <laughs> of their customers and their employees. And to me, that was, um, that's it. That's the magic. That's that moment when you realize that it's not just about running the company or pursuing your dreams. It's about something much more aspirational, a higher purpose to get people to feel the way that you hope they feel because of what you do. And that, that drives me. And I'll tell you this, the idea of getting people to feel something is not only aspirational, but it's special. It's unique. It's, I think it's a competitive advantage. And I used what's the future as a way to prove that the future of business were going to be based on shared experiences. And those experiences that you want people to have is what people are going to share. They're not going to say, man, this is the best product because it allowed me to have all these feature sets or benefits. <laughs> it's going to, because it's going to mean something because it connected with them. And I'm, trying to challenge entrepreneurs and business executives to, to think differently. How would you add an emotional layer or an experience layer, as I call it, to get people to feel something special? So powerful. And you earlier alluded to with Undercover Boss, how it's all about the journey that we enjoy. And that's what we're on today, Brian, except we're on your journey as an entrepreneur. And one thing that you mentioned also is that you didn't really know what you wanted to be when you grew up. And you know what? I can resonate with that, Brian, because I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I tried a lot of different things until something finally did click. And it took a while. It took a lot of failures, a lot of heartache, a lot of rejection. But you know what? I made it and I got there. And I'm sure my future still holds more failure, more rejection, but I kept going. So that's what we want to hear now. Share with us a time in your journey when you failed, when you just fell flat in your face and you really had to pick yourself up, question what you were doing. And how did you get the courage to move forward from that moment? Yeah, that's opening up doors that I should probably open up more often to sort of rekindle my passion. Yes. I, you get so caught up in running, running, running that it, you sort of forget the magic of that. Uh, I don't know that I have 
pure failure stories other than failure to recognize sort of my strengths and weaknesses along the way. And that is something, by the way, that I still struggle with today. So, for example, uh, when I was just working my first full-time job, uh, I wanted to, number one, have a job, but it wasn't my passion, so it was just a job. So I was investing in uh, a newsletter, which eventually became sort of a, a startup magazine in Los Angeles. Uh, and that magazine was fun. It was exciting. It was this sort of combination of social issues and fashion and entertainment for a younger generation. You know, and that was for me was the Gen X generation. And I was tr- trying to do something a little bit sexier, a little bit more avant-garde, a little bit more um, intelligent than what was available uh, ar- around at that time. And it, it took off. It was doing great. I was you know, on, on the front pages of the Daily News and the Los Angeles Times. And I was really rolling with it, but lacked the discipline to really grow it the way it should have grown. It was on a great scale. It was on a great trajectory. And I just you know, kind of got caught up in the fun of it and just the lifestyle of it and missed the discipline that it would take to really build it for the long haul. And instead of stepping up, I decided to just sort of quietly fold it over time and let myself get caught up by another idea. And that idea was to get into technology marketing because I always along the way was a geek uh, programmer uh, and thought that maybe that was going to be the next thing I should pursue. But Brian, before we dive into that, what was that moment that you really were like, you know what, I'm going to walk away from this. What was that moment and what did it feel like? It's sort of disappointing when I think about it. That moment was, uh, it was almost like giving up. Uh, I had, I was laying out one of the magazines. This was back in the day when you actually, uh, you sort of when desktop publishing <laughs> right. was hit, hitting the mainstream. So a little bit was done in desktop publishing and some of it was done with manual wax guns and laying things out on blue lines. And, uh, I just sort of found myself thinking, man, this is just so much work and I'm wearing so many hats as publisher, writer, you know, fashion director and events producer. And I just sort of gave up. Somebody had an opportunity for me to join a tech company and I just, just the grass was greener sort of syndrome. Uh, And in that moment of laying out that final issue, I just sort of said that was it. Uh, Of course, at the time, and this is something that I I think back to a lot in what I do. At the time, I didn't see it as giving up, right? At at the time, I thought it was bigger, better, right? Jumping to that next opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. And by all means, it was a next opportunity. The question is, was it the right time and the right opportunity versus the opportunity that was presented before me to do something that I was actually having a lot of fun doing and something that, and, you know, something that I'm actually kind of doing today. And we'll, we'll get to that later. But I, uh, I just didn't recognize it then. And I, the reason I share this with you, John, is because a lot of entrepreneurs out there start a company because they have a great idea. Uh, it's like, I'll tell you, a lot of my friends have started restaurants and I don't think uh, only very few of them actually still have them open because the idea of the restaurant was better 
than what the reality of running it's so it. romantic <laughs> it's so romantic i have uh, my romantic endeavor is going to be owning a winery but i know <laughs> that it just sounds better than it actually really is if i'm not willing to put the, the you know the the blood sweat and tears into it and that's what happened with this magazine i just i just didn't i just didn't appreciate what i had and what i needed to do to get it to the next level well, I do thank you for opening up and sharing that because it is so powerful for the listeners to realize just the implications of every action that we take. And I know that people must have reached out to you after you walked away and just saying how much that had changed their lives or how important that magazine was to them and to Gen X as a whole. And, and I'm sure that kind of left you wanting a little bit to get back in there and to continue to fulfill that void, that need that was out there for it. So commend you definitely, Brian, for sharing that with us today. And let's move on here further in your journey because again, you share with us some challenges and some tough parts that you face, but you've also had many inspiring and light bulb and inspirational moments in general that you've had that have also put you in different directions and had you pivot and move forward. So share with us one of those light bulbs that came on and how'd you turn that moment, that experience into success? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it started with that technology marketing gig. I I eventually became a director of marketing for a startup notebook company that was really getting a lot of traction uh, back in the day when laptops were <laughs> sort of new. Uh, and I found, this is also at the time when Web 1.0 was really taking traction. And I found, uh, I, I, I met a woman, I fell in love. She was from Silicon Valley. I was living in Los Angeles. It was a long distance relationship. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to see this through. I'm going to see technology through. It's, I'm, I'm good at it. I see something differently, which was that empathy that I didn't necessarily understand at the time, yes. but I was empathetic as a technologist. So my marketing strategies, the way I approached things weren't classical marketing, like, okay, what's our ad? What's our public relations strategy? What's our, our website strategy? What's our email strategy? It was always about problem solution, benefits, uh, very empathetic driven, very emotional level marketing. And to get those answers took a different approach and to apply those learnings into programs and strategies were always very different because they were informed differently. They were inspired differently. And I didn't necessarily know what I was doing per se, understanding my approach as I do now, but it it was working really well. And I decided that I was going to keep seeing it through because I was able to emotionally connect to my work. And I moved to Silicon Valley because to me, that's where you have to, that's where you needed to move if you wanted to be in technology. And uh, ended up getting married uh, and joining a big marketing agency in Silicon Valley where I had an opportunity to work with some some of the biggest brands and also some of the best startups coming up in Web 1.0 or the dot-bomb era. (laughs) 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 And the fun part about that was it was so fast. It was so dynamic. And because I had come up as this sort of like empathetic marketer with entrepreneurial behaviors – you know, I was in a marketing agency where people went to college for what they did and, and people followed the rules and people did things, so, you know, according to protocol. And here I was just rocking and rolling, trying all of these new different things. And they were working and people were frustrated around me because, they, you know, it was making, making some people look bad and, and, and also attracted other people to say, wow, I want to kind of learn what he's doing so differently. This seems really exciting and different. And that, um, you know, I was, I was young, but that really, I think it was almost that naivete that allowed me to experiment more without overthinking the consequences. 
because uh, you know certainly playing it safe and not rocking the boat and following the rules you know th- that's one sure way to not get in trouble <laughs> yeah <laughs> and here i was doing almost everything that was opposite but you know what i found out along the way john and this is something that i i think all of all of the people that listen to this can relate to or maybe they should was that when you start doing things differently you automatically put a target whether it's on your back or your front, you have a target. People want to throw things at you. People want to hit you. People want to take you down from your pedestal. And when you do things differently, you are pushing a boulder up a hill. You're having to convince people that it's the right way. You're having to overcome skepticism. You're having to overcome a lot of challenges. And to tell you the truth, I have never followed any form or philosophy of complacency it's always been about doing something different because number one it's exciting two because it usually works uh better and three you learn things that you never would have learned otherwise and it's exciting and it's different and it makes you valuable and unique but today to this day i'm still pushing uphill uh and i think entrepreneurs have to understand that that's that's what this is about so if you're not cool with that, then go get a job that, you know, you're going to be safe and your, your comfort zone is going to surround you with big hugs or just find comfort in the fact that you won't really have comfort. That way you can focus on innovating and doing really great things. Now, I'm going to take a breath. I haven't finished the story, but John wanted to see if you had any questions so far. Well, I don't have any questions, but I'll let you take a couple breaths here because I want to just kind of break in with the crabs in a bucket theory because you're describing it so well. I just kind of want to put a name to it, and that is so prevalent in today's society and in really every society, and I've experienced that as well. As I'm from Maine, so I like to use this analogy because it's right on the ocean. We have a lot of buckets full of crabs, and guess what? When you have a bucket full of crabs, you never have to put a cover on that bucket because as soon as one crab starts to crawl out, all the other crabs in that bucket pull him back down, without a doubt, every single time. This isn't an analogy. This is true to life. And so that is really what happens so often. When Brian was pushing that boulder up the hill, he had people trying to pull him back down the hill too. So he wasn't only pushing the weight up, but he's having to contend with people pulling back on him as well. And that is so prevalent. So the listeners really need to focus and realize you are going to be fighting an uphill battle and you are going to be fighting a downhill battle as well with people are below you but it's a battle worth fighting. So, Brian, continue. Yeah, and well said. Well said, by the way. So, the thing that I had learned was that at some point, you have to realize that either the the culture of the organization you work with supports innovation and sort of different thinking or what Silicon Valley now refers to as growth hacking, uh, or, or it doesn't. And at some point, you have to think, what's, what am I going to net out at? Do I push this boulder up the hill and do I see an opportunity to bring about true change within the culture of the organization so that this is celebrated and and replicated or does it cost me more emotionally and hold me up from doing what I want to do elsewhere? And that was a very interesting uh, sort of intersection that I had arrived at. I I saw it on the horizon. I just sort of tried to push forward and push forward and you sort of lose yourself in that momentum thinking that you can just break right through it. But no, at some point you're just delaying the inevitable. And the question was answered in a very, very interesting way. Uh, Unlike how I jumped ship uh, from my magazine startup, this time 
I was thoughtful about it. And I decided that the best thing for me to do at a time where the Web 1 was still taking off, being in Silicon Valley, having a lot of success under my belt and great, a great network, I decided to leave right after giving, um, with my wife giving birth to our son, to start a company dedicated to this sort of new approach to technology marketing. I started an agency that was part agency for execution and part lab for uh, digital experimentation. This new model that hadn't necessarily been seen before, all driven by you know, direct to customer engagement in online forums and message boards, talking to people who were building their own websites where they could share their experiences with technologies, sort of like pre-blogging uh, and all pre-social media. And uh, it was a huge risk to do that. My wife at the time was really supportive, but I was ready for it. And I had mindfully said, this was going to be my new company and I was going to give it everything I had. And I did. And I ran that company up until about under three years ago. So, so I started that company in February of 1999. Wow. So you're talking almost a full decade you ran that company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. More than a decade. And I had, uh, the only reason I wasn't running it anymore is because, you know, with the crash of Web 1 and then the rise of Web 2, I, uh, I we could talk about that in a minute, but I sort of hit another inflection point where I looked at the state of the industry and realized that everything that I was learning was so important, not just for me. And this is, by the way, a very interesting um, moment in my life. I could have just kept rocking and just stayed age, ages ahead of all my competition. But I decided that my mental energy and all of my passion was going to go to sharing everything that I had learned. I thought that I'd give it all back to the industry so that the industry could get better at marketing, so that the industry could get better at innovation and changing cultures and creating businesses that were much more inspiring uh, to customers. And, and to me, in order to do that was to give everything away, totally counterintuitive. And that's when I became an analyst uh, and full-time author. At that point, I had already been blogging for several years, experimenting with sharing all my experience. Uh, I had written a couple of books by then, but just decided that I was going to go full bore into learning and sharing. Wow. So, Brian, if you could, that second segment that we just went over of your life, what's just one clear lesson in one sentence you can sum up from that for our listeners? I would sum it up this way. My passion to try something new as I had joined that agency in Silicon Valley and was about to start my own gig, there was passion. I'll tell you, there was drive, there was ambition. I had realized, though, that as a new father, I don't know that I would have had this perspective without it, that those are the things that most entrepreneurs have, right? They have that fire. And it just, you're just not going to be able to extinguish it. Whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, sometimes they just have to see it through. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and what I had learned and what I want to sum up for you was that I balanced the left and right lobes. And I did forecasting and business planning to allow me to at least have some type of intelligence about the prospect of this idea not only whether or not it was going to be able to sustain me and my family, but also anybody who worked for me. And that forced me to think not only like, yes, this is something I got to do, 
but it also forced me to create a business model that was unique to the industry and that worked. It still works today. The industry has yet to replicate it effectively. But I mean, to some extent, it's, it's done. But that was it. I balanced my emotion with data. And that was a huge thing to do. A lot, I, I, I got to tell you, I've helped launch over a thousand startups in my life. Wow both directly and indirectly, both starting on my own, both advising, both investing, also investing in, most of the time, I'm not kidding you, when that idea is pursued by the entrepreneur before they get like seed or before they get series A, they don't have that thought out. That's a great sum up, Brian. I mean, you could not have just brought that together better at the end. It's something that listeners really need to focus on is getting that thought out. And what we need to do now, Brian, is bring it to present time because you have so many cool things going on. You have the book, the company, but share with Fire Nation one thing that's just really exciting you right now. Well, what's really exciting me right now is this concept of user experience or UX. Yes. Uh, and not in the way that designs products or designs websites or designs apps, but this concept that UX principles could apply to life. Um, architecting how you navigate life, whether it's as a customer, uh, whether it's as a leader, uh, so taking those principles and sort of coming back to that Maya Angelou quote, if you wanted to design how people feel and then you wanted to reinforce how people feel through your products, your services, the way you engage with customers, the way you sell to them, the way they navigate your website to your app, the way they find out about you and learn about you, the way they contribute back as an advocate, all of that needs to be defined. So if you, if you think back to when I made that decision to pursue my idea in 1999 as a new father, I was thoughtful in the approach both on the emotional side and the, the logical side. But what I'm talking about now is this full-blown experience architecture using UX as sort of like a guide to define and articulate this vision for how people should feel and what they would say in turn to their friends or their colleagues based on that experience with your business. Because when you can define an emotional layer, this experience layer, it then becomes the standard for which everything else is designed, the product, iterations of the product, your customer service architecture, your human resources for employee management uh, and relations, uh, your partner prospecting. Everything holds to this standard of experience. And so that's that's what excites me. That's sort of the premise of the book that's out now, and it's also the premise of the next book. It was sort of this one-two punch. You know, the first was the check this out. This is what I think the future of business is. It's all about experience. We're going to talk about UX and how that applies to real life and, and business in the real world. And then in part two is the how to do it. Everything that we've talked about, Brian, in today's episode is going to be linked up in the show notes page, and we're going to dive even more in depth into this stuff coming up. But before we do, let's thank our sponsors. Fire Nation, are you stuck between finally having come up with a name for your website and actually purchasing the domain and building it? Let me tell you about a great resource that can help you create a beautifully designed website in no time flat, Squarespace. Squarespace offers an all-in-one platform with features like drag and drop, which allows you to add content to your site straight from your desktop. This feature also makes it easy for you to move content around within a page once you already have your website started. We know, not everyone was meant for the design world. 
That's why Squarespace also offers 24-7 customer support so you can ask the experts anything, anytime. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Fire Nation, you can sign up for a free trial and get 10% off when you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code IGNITE. That's squarespace.com, offer code IGNITE. Our other sponsor, 99designs, is the answer to all your design needs. Do you need a new logo for your business? What about some sweet web design? We could all use some new infographics, Facebook cover pages, and banners. Incredible graphic designers at 99designs are waiting to help you out. They'll work on projects you define, and you'll assign the budget that works for you. There's a lot that goes into starting a new business. The paperwork, legal considerations, personnel, and day-to-day operations. Get some help with the branding and marketing from people who know their stuff. At 99designs, you choose the best submissions for your project and give feedback until results match your expectations. There's a 100% money-back guarantee and stellar 24-7 support. Visit 99designs.com slash fire today for a $99 power pack of services for free. That's 99designs.com slash fire. We're going to transition now to my favorite part of the show, the lightning rounds. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? All right, I'm going to do my best. (laughs) (laughs) What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah, confidence. You know, I, um, I, I, before it was a, a thing, I got to imagine that I had ADD as a young man. <laughs> and uh, I, that was, that was uh, looked down upon. I was, I was a loser, uh, and that shattered my confidence. It, it took a while for me to work it up. Brian, what's the best advice you've ever received? It came from the general manager of the company I was working for before I had uh, started my company in 1999. And he said that, no one else can pursue your ideas for you. And if you believe in it, then try it. Because if you didn't, you'd always regret it and always wonder if, and you would have missed your window. And he, uh, he was a really good guy uh, because he put a lot on the line to tell me that. Brian, what's one specific action that listeners can take in the next 24 hours to bring them one step closer to their dreams? Press pause. Turn everything off. Turn your Twitter off, your Facebook off, your email off. Go to the beach, go to a park, go to the top of a building, and picture what your life is like five years from now. Are you engaged? Are you married? Do you have kids? And how does what you want to pursue, your idea, align with where you want to be personally? And if you want to push all that stuff off, then that's when you make that decision because everything that you touch pursuing your idea is going to be affected, both good and bad. And those were things that I didn't really think through. It's why I'm, that's why I was, uh, I'm now since remarried, but it's one of the reasons why I'm, I had to get <laughs> remarried because I didn't think about how this idea was going to affect everything around me. And I didn't prioritize what was more important to me at the time. I just tried to spin every plate that I had in my hand. Oh, powerful stuff, Brian. Oh, shoot. I hit pause when you said hit pause. I missed all of that. Ah! 
<laughs> Brian, I am 100% kidding, but I knew that'd be funny. <laughs> that was funny. That was really clever. So, Brian, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with you can share with our listeners? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I use SocialCast to share with my teammates at Alternative yeah. Group, and I use Evernote uh, every day, and I use <laughs> Skitch every day, which is, was the visual uh, Evernote before it was bought by Evernote. Right. Uh, and I'm using, um, believe it or not, Delicious still as a way of bookmarking some of my uh, Very favorite cool. things on the web. Well, Fire Nation, you can find links to these resources and everything that we mentioned in today's episode by going to eofire.com slash Brian Solis. Brian, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? I go back to this book that touched me when I was coming up. It was called Competing for the Future. I think one of the, one of the authors was Gary Hamill. Uh, and it talks about this idea, or at least the way I interpreted it, was you know if you if you get caught up in competing for the moment, you miss this ability to compete for the future. And I think uh, if you look at how technology is impacting most businesses, so a lot of them are you know what's our social media strategy, what's our mobile strategy, uh, how are we going to port commerce across all these platforms, you know how are we scaling across the different screens? You get caught up in sort of competing for now. Uh, and what I think, and this is why I said earlier, you know, press pause, is every business needs to do this, is think about what the future looks like. What does the, what it, if, if you had to define what customer experiences and relationships were going to look like three years from now, what is that? And always ask that question and reverse engineer it. To me, that is the most solid business advice any entrepreneur can do. And that book teaches you that, that those principles, or at least gets you thinking in that direction. That is great advice. So, Brian, I also want to give you a minute now to talk about what's the future of business, WTF. Share with Fire Nation the premise of this book. Why'd you write it? Yeah, well, it really comes back to that um, Maya Angelou quote. I had come across it. I had been really trying to find a way to articulate this whole power and concept of how to apply empathy to business models. And I had come across this YouTube video of a a one-year-old girl uh, whose father g- gave her a, an iPad to play with. And she grabbed it in cr- just with the utmost in- intuition, just pinching and zooming and swiping. And, and it, it's, it's just so dexterous. Uh, it was so natural. I thought, wow, that's incredible. And then he, he sort of plays a little trick and gives her a magazine, takes away the iPad. And so she takes the magazine and she tries to do the same thing with it. Of course, it doesn't work. Uh, so she gets frustrated, throws it, throws it off to the side. And <laughs> you know, he, gets, <laughs> he gets this, he puts this, this text up on the screen, says something along the lines like, Steve Jobs has forever changed or forever coded my daughter differently. For her, a magazine will always be an iPad that doesn't work. <laughs> and I thought, you know, look, there's some real brilliance in this because you look at how you and I use tech, you know, smartphones, tablets, social networks, apps, what have you. Everything's on demand. Everything's on our fingertips. Everything we, we essentially, I call it the ecosystem. We make people and businesses and news find us, revolve around us. And uh, I had learned through research that it didn't matter if you were just a millennial or Gen Y, that once you start to use this tech, whether you're 50 or you're 17, you start to exhibit similar behaviors. And that video inspired me in a way that, and, and I, maybe this is going to blow everybody's minds, but 
I am analog first. I had to learn digital every iteration. I mean, Palm Pilots, you name it. Uh, every step of the way, I had to learn the revolution. Digital is always going to be native for younger generations. And so here I am now, you know, as an older man, uh, still young, but still older. Uh, and I approach my decisions based on life experience, right? That's what we all do. Entrepreneurs, uh, people who invest in our ideas, they all make decisions based on their gut instinct. And that's informed by life experience, professional experience, what have you. And I believe that right now, my experience in making decisions for what's best for the future of my business, for customer relationships, for employee relationships, my experience is working against me because I'm analog first. The world that I know is not at all like the world that this one-year-old is going to know. Therefore, if I am not making decisions empathetically as informed by the people I'm trying to reach and engage without understanding who they are, what motivates them, what's special to them, the challenges that they have, why they're frustrated. I am always going to be competing for the past, not even for the moment. And in order to compete for the future, it's very much like what Steve Jobs did. He saw something and he applied it differently for a different generation of customers because his vision was that profound. I'm not Steve Jobs, but I can learn from people and be inspired by them to do something differently and do something better. And that's the point. To me, I'm going to forever make decisions the wrong way if I'm not empathetic in how people are different than the way that I am. WTF. And Brian, is this book available in Audible? Yeah, actually, it's going to be. I, I'm going to be recording that. I'm going into the studio in a couple of weeks. Boom. For the, for the most part, though, I want to give me 10 seconds. I'm going to share something with, Go for with everybody here. The book in print form is what I encourage everybody to read, or maybe just the, the iPad form too. And I'm, I'm very specific, and it's, not, it's terrible for an author to say that, but let me tell you why. I use the, bro- the book as a proof point. I had to rethink how I write, how I present information, in order to prove to you that in order to compete for the future, in order to create an experience that was shareable, to show you the power of experience architecture, that the book itself had to be an experience. And I, I could have written a book just like I've written every year of the book, right? Same shape, same type of hardback cover, same paper, same font. But what's the point of that? That's not experiential. So I designed the book. This was hard to convince the publisher, not only just yeah. putting WTF on the cover, but also <laughs> changing the shape, getting thick, glossy color paper, four-color uh, process, Uh, I designed a navigation bar. I applied UX to the whole thing of this book. Shorter bursts of text, converting paragraphs into one visual, putting all kinds of visualizations through it. What we essentially created in the book was an analog app. And it's so crazy cool that just thumbing through the pages, it's almost like this cocktail table book for business. It is so deep in terms of what it shares but it's also so incredible and in how easy it makes it as you're reading it and as you're turning the pages. And I had to change how I talk, how I present information, how I get you to learn and share and navigate a book. And that took a long time. It took me longer to design this experience than to write the book. And my point is that if I could do this for a book, what can you do? 
because it's yours to define. It's that moment in time where you, as an entrepreneur, get to define your destiny. You get to create your own path, and people will come along for it because you cared. It was thoughtful, and it's an incredible experience. Well, Brian, wow, you are speaking right now to a massive audience that has proven that they love audio. They love podcasts. They love hearing it, and they consume audible audiobooks via Audible at an astounding rate. But I can tell you what, you've sold me. I think you've sold a lot of the listeners. I'm excited for them to experience that and to give you feedback on WTF. Brian, give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance. Share the best way that we can connect with you and then we'll say goodbye. Well, I'm easiest on Twitter at Brian Solis. Uh, same with Facebook.com slash Brian Solis. You post messages there. You tweet me. I'll, I, I respond. Uh, and if you want to go old school, then it's Brian at altimetergroup.com. Brian at altimetergroup.com. And Brian, Fire Nation is well aware that everything that we've talked about is going to be at eofire.com. Click on that podcast tab. You're hanging out in the archives. And thank you, Brian, for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, you're not alone. When you join our mastermind community, Fire Nation Elites, you'll be joining a tribe of like-minded people who are here to help you feel confident about your business, help you find the right track, and help you grow your business, launch your new products or services, and become the entrepreneur you've always wanted to be. 100% support, 100% of the time. Visit FireNationElite.com to fill out your application and schedule a one-on-one 15-minute chat with me today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 